heterodorks, heterodox dorks. Can we get a klezmer band to do our opening for us? No. Hey, Jews and Gentiles, you're listening to Heterodorks, the podcast for TERFs and trannies, and Jews and Gentiles, and half-Jews and half-Gentiles, like our co-host, Corinna, who's a freak. Yeah, <laughs> a freak my name is nature. Corinna Cohn. I am, I am 49% Ashkenazi Jew, according to a 23andMe, even though they leaked all the data, so I'm, that's great. And zero uh, percent can, uh, as considered by most Jews, because my mom was not Jewish. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, Nina Paley, your other co-host, am one of the chosen people. Who chose you? God. I'm chosen by God because both my mother and my father were Ashkenazim. I guess that makes me God's bastard. Mm-hmm. Well, you're half and half. You're like you're like the weird freakish in between things you're in between these categories that people should belong to yeah i do that a lot i know and you know if your father had been smarter and not married a shiksa you wouldn't be in this situation i don't think that my father could have been much smarter nina he was pretty bright really? did you know that he had a patent uh remember i'm a ip abolitionist so he invented an unpickable lock. Smart guy. Really? Mm-hmm. And is this lock in production? No, no. This was back in the old, old, old days. They they have a lot more modern locks now, but he innovated. Yeah. Well, you know, most patents don't lead to things actually being produced because the entire IP system is inherently flawed. But that's a talk for another time. No, actually, I'm interested in that. Let's let's set aside current events and <laughs> let's go to this evergreen topic of property and, and intellectual rights. Uh, well, there's no property in, involved. Intellectual property is a misnomer. It's basically just monopolies. And when you patent something, you're pretty much uh, preventing it from being produced. The idea is that you patent it and then people will be so excited by your idea that they will gladly pay you to license it and produce it. But what happens instead is that anybody interested in producing it mm-hmm. is like, oh, I'm going to yep. have to pay some schmuck who's just sitting there on this patent and not actually doing anything so it doesn't get made. I'm going to perform the smoothest segue that has ever happened in podcasting. Speaking of copyrights and your stance on free culture, Nina, I bet you're not making a single penny on the popularity of your video, This Land is Mine. No, I'm not making a a single penny directly. I'm not getting royalties from it. However, my status is greatly enhanced. This is the least canceled I have felt for the last seven years. Oh, Fantastic. What can you buy with that status? Mm, indirectly? Actually, <laughs> in, in, indirectly, uh, it will it will improve my income for sure because more people know about me, know about my work, and buy my stuff. Think in terms of advertising, right? There's all this media that people make. And yeah. not only does it cost them to produce the media, but then they actually pay 
They I've actually like hit pay this, to put the media out. I pressed this button that's like, when I press this button, it is bring out the free culture, Nina. Bring bring out the copyright abolitionist, Nina. What button can I press to bring back the 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 turf, Nina, or the uh, fully 100% actual real Jew, Nina? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Find the button. All right. What is This Land is Mine? Tell me about that. So Some people listening will not have seen it. Oh, my God. There's still people that haven't seen it. This Land is Mine is the most popular piece of animation I have ever made. It is about a conflict in the Middle East. What? It is set to a Zionist anthem called This Land is Mine. The melody of that song comes from the movie Exodus. Uh, it was merely a, a sweeping theme uh, that was orchestral, but I guess a year after the movie came out, Pat Boone wrote lyrics to it. And by the way, if you haven't seen the movie Exodus... It is a very important piece of American Zionist culture, and I had never seen it until I started researching for my second feature film, Seder Masochism. Uh, and actually, it's it's worth seeing right now because people are excited and agitated in a way that is reminiscent of the way that they were in the 60s when this movie came out. And I believe, who starred in it? Robert Redford? had a very sexy and good looking male star mm. and a lot of the movie was just a vehicle for him looking good. It reminded me of the movie. There's something about Mary, which was just a vehicle for the actress. What was the actress in something about Mary? Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, this, if you, if you watch that movie, it's like, this is just an excuse for her to be, well lit and well shot and look really pretty and the same thing yeah. in the movie exodus so so we had pat boone singing it we had robert redford acting like so all of all of the the jews of hollywood were pretty intrinsically involved in this exodus production it sounds like i, I don't think pat boone was jewish <laughs> oh well surely robert redford yeah uh or no maybe it was paul newman wait who the heck they all look the same yeah starred in Yes, it was Paul Newman. Yes, extremely sexy Paul Newman wearing yeah. beautiful white shirts that were brilliantly lit in the sunshine. Paul Newman, another famous Jew of Hollywood. Yes. but They're all, they're all over the place. But notably, Pat Boone is no Jew, was no Jew. Zionism was very popular among the Gentiles at that time. And I don't even of think course Zionism... It was would have gotten the foothold that it got had it not been for uh, a lot of non-Jewish participants. You know, the the thing is, the Americans were quite animated about uh, Zionism, you know, because it made it possible to, to get rid of the ones in America and send them somewhere. I, Nazis were into Zionism. Yeah. Everybody except for uh, the left, the left, the far left is into Zionism uh, and the far right. Are, the far right. Are, you, are you talking about today? I think, I think a lot of people on the far right are into Zionism. 
Not the far, far right, though. Right. This land is mine. Yes. So that song, that song was a big hit and it was very popular and recorded by lots of people in the 60s. And I believe in Israel, kids sing it in school and everybody knows it, even though I had never heard it till I saw that movie. And someone told me about it. And when I first heard that song with the lyrics, I immediately pictured every single occupant of that land singing that song. And it was very easy to conceive of this film. And yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Free culture. It's posted all over the place. It's reposted all over the place. It's also the last scene of my mostly canceled feature film, Seder Masochism. But like I say, I'm feeling less canceled this week than I have in years because people are actually talking about the content of this film. Not that its maker is a horrible turf. Speaking of the content of, of the film, something bad happened in Israel over the weekend. Yes. Once again, something bad happened. Also, I'm a if I did make money directly from this film oh, yeah. from This Land is Mine, then I would be a war profiteer. Because oh, really? every time there's war or aggression in the region, people watch that film again. But But you were saying earlier that you are going to indirectly make a profit from this. Yes, so indirectly, via status, via the improvement of my status, but not directly. So you're like a war statistician. <laughs> a war status status tier. Uh yes, there there were apparently grotesque acts of I I don't think violence does it justice performed by Hamas. And lots of videos circulating online, which I did not push the play button on because just Uh, I could see that it was going to be great. Really? You watched all this stuff? No, I watched a portion of it. Yeah. Uh, But let me tell you, if you haven't seen it, Nina, it is really disturbing. I believe that. And I guess it's it was stuff largely done to women. And uh, I wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't say also that. Also men? Oh, yes. What's... I, I would say that there was no discrimination in uh, how the violence was meted out to the victims, only that women were also likely to be raped, but the brutality was not... Um, did not discriminate the the victims. Uh, for example, there was a Thai worker who was um, disabled from uh, attacks against him so that he was on the ground. And then while he was still alive, he was beheaded with a hoe. Mm. Right. So this took place at a music festival. The beheading? No. No, but the, but, but the, I guess there were multiple um, attacks, right? Multiple Hamas attacks. There there were something in the range of 70 or 80 separate incursions into the uh, state of Israel. And while some of those 
did target a an outdoor music festival near Gaza. The incursions were all along the border, and there were victims all all over Israel. So the the single largest site of violence was that music festival, but it was uh, somewhere around 20 or 25% of all of the deaths that were inflicted on October 7th. I did see a video of just what looked like hundreds or thousands of people running. My understanding was that that was from the music festival. That's right. That's where that was from. And I've read a few stories, uh, first person accounts, and it's just absolutely horrific. I'm really struck by Hamas's tactic of intentionally making the most horrific videos possible and disseminating them as widely as possible. Like that, that is their strategy in contrast to Israel's strategy which is if they commit atrocities, then there's as little video of it as possible. Like they don't, they don't want people to see it or know about it. Whereas Hamas. Yeah. Although let's, let's be careful about our thinking today. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Yeah. You said, uh, contrasted with Israel as opposed to when Israel commits atrocities. Mm -hmm. So to me, committing an atrocity is a little bit different from uh, conducting an action that is likely to result in uh, non-combatant deaths. And I wonder if an atrocity requires some intent for there to be some sort of uh, horrific outcome attached to it and if so i wonder if uh how many or what percentage anywhere from zero to a hundred percent what what actions israel commits could be considered atrocities i think it really depends on who you are and where you're located i think that war is not clean i think that war is filled with atrocities. I think soldiers are hard to control. Mm. I think that rape, for example, does not have to be part of the official policy. But I also think that it's almost inevitable from what I have read and heard. It's almost inevitably going to happen. So I don't know how you pick these things apart. I don't think there's a nice... I don't think there's a non-atrocious way to have a war. Maybe with, you know, it's like people have tried, right? It's like, let's have these nice nuclear bombs where we won't have anybody raping anyone. We'll just, you know, (laughs) we'll just unleash horror the likes of which mankind has never seen before. But it's, you know, clean horror. It's not, it's not one-on-one horror. Right. Not a, not cutting a a child's head off with a pocket knife type of horror. Were children beheaded with a pocket knife? 
I don't know. I was I was talking about my hobbies. <laughs> right. This is definitely an opportunity for your very darkest humor to blossom. Oh yeah. Yeah, lucky me. <laughs> Opportunities like this don't, don't come around very often. Just once every 50 years it seems like. They might get more and more frequent. Yeah, we'll see. Stay World tuned. War 3. Yeah, I shouldn't be laughing. It's it's atrocious and horrible. But yes, there is all of this discussion right now. Like, is is it okay? Like when when there are videos circulating of horrific, uh, I don't know what the atrocities. Fine, horrific atrocities yep. committed on Israelis. When those are fresh and circulating, is that the time to even mention? Oh, well, Israelis commit atrocities on Palestinians, too. Like, is that the time, the exact same day that those things come out? I certainly, uh, that was not my take on it when I learned about this. My take on it was, you know, just appropriate horror. Well, I want to push back, though, Nina. Mm -hmm. Because we said at the very beginning of this podcast that you're one of God's chosen people. So doesn't that make you more culpable? More culpable for what, Hamas? Well, I mean, we know that the Hamas terrorists are are devils and that they worship a false god and are basically deranged. So we can barely make them any more accountable for their actions than we would vultures tearing at a, a dead deer. What's the false the god? Jews. What's the false god that they worship? Well, it's it's not the Jewish god now, is it? It's exactly the Jewish god. No, 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 no. It it can't, it can't be because the the Jews are the chosen people. Uh-huh. Why? Why would Why would God accept uh, other worshippers aside from the people that He was like? You know what? You guys are pretty good. I like you. I like you. I want you to be my followers. You know, I don't now. think I don't think God actually said I like you. I don't think that's why the Hebrews were chosen. Uh, God. When's the last was, time you read the Torah. God. Uh, it feels mm-hmm. like just yesterday, but it was maybe right nine years ago. Yeah, so you don't remember the part where where I think it was, was it in Exodus that God was like, Moses, I like you. He doesn't say Moses, I like you. No, he says Moses, but he doesn't yeah. say I like you. There's, there's no Ar- clarity Ar- about God actually liking the Hebrews. He does say that, that they are to be a light unto the nations. But he doesn't say anything about liking them. And really, most of the Old Testament is God being pissed off at the endless screw-ups of his chosen people. Uh, You know what? That's relatable to me. Because let me tell you, when I see people in my mentions saying stupid shit, now imagine that you're omnipotent and you can just hear that all the time. I would rain down misery on people if that was my situation. Yeah. Anyway, God made some, well, I want to say some very clear rules, but they weren't really that clear. Uh, He made some rules and the Hebrews did not follow them and they kept 
They kept having relations with their neighbors. They kept letting their neighbors worship their idols instead of killing them all and smashing the idols. And uh, it was an endless headache for God. And apparently uh, that's why Israel, that's why the, the second temple was destroyed and the Hebrews are supposed to be a diasporic people. They're not supposed they're to be not living. Anymore. They're not supposed to be living in Israel. They're supposed to be living all over the place and not have a central temple. And that that stuff's over. They blew it, and that's how it's supposed to be. So, well, there's still no central temple. Well, they're trying there's, to. There's, there's, a, there's wailing, a mosque sitting there. There's a wailing wall. The, the Hamas fighters or the, the Hamas organization has a, a lot of frustration that the mosque that got that allegedly was built on top of the old uh, Jewish temple is was desecrated by rabbis coming to visit so there's there's a territory dispute mm-hmm. and and this is a lot like when a Starbucks sets up across the street from a Dunkin Donuts it's exactly People like get, that. People get upset about it. Yeah. Well, this would be like a There's Starbucks setting up on top of a Dunkin' Donuts. Well, that's true. Although there are some opportunities for Dunkin' Donuts to set up on top of Starbucks because they've basically pulled out of downtown San Francisco. Yeah. Well, the important thing is that the victor erects their coffee and pastry shop on top of the smoldering ruins of the vanquished. As long as they have Americanos with medium roast beans, I'll buy it. Nobody's going to like this episode. <laughs> oh, you're right. There's some people that are very, very, feel very strongly about tea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So what I'm noticing in the wider world, we're not there. None of us. Americans are there, which is very important. I am privileged not to be there. I have had a few people get very angry at me for not taking a side, which I can only do because I'm not there. If I were there, I would feel a lot more compelled to take a side, probably because I would be uh harmed one way or the other and i would be angry about it but i'm not there and i do not You're here yeah uh i do not i am not a zionist i am not an anti-zionist and people are disgusted with me for talking like that of course zionist has a lot of meanings it's kind of like feminist right now some mm. people would say that uh, unless, like, if you don't want Israel to be wiped off the face of the earth, that means you're a Zionist. So by that definition, sure, I'm a Zionist. I am not uh, in favor of, you know, violently no. eliminating or cleansing the land of the people that live there now who through no fault of their own were born there 
the the six million residents of Israel, twenty percent of whom are non-Jewish. Those people. Yeah. 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 If we could go back in time yeah. and Israel were being created, I would oppose the creation of a Jewish state there, but it's already happened. And yeah. the people that live there now had no choice in being born there. Some people had a choice in migrating there, but a lot of them came from places that were even shittier. So I, I, I had a peace plan, Nina, but it hasn't really taken off. Yeah. That was that we could take every, every person in Israel right now, who's not a Palestinian and send them to South America. And then if they want to, they can migrate through Mexico up into the, through the Southern border of America and come resettle here. That's a great idea. It is. I thought so. It is notable that this is happening right when the Biden administration says, oh, yeah, that wall we were against, we're, we're going to put that Ooh. back up. Yeah, that's suspicious timing. Suspicious? Suspicious. It's sus. What did Biden know? When did he know it? <laughs> oh, right. Because you, you're thinking about this mass movement of, mm -hmm. yeah, the Jews yep. to South America. Right. Keep the Jews out. Yeah. Yeah, so um, among among the uh, stupid things that I saw on Twitter this week, which is just so many, it's hard to pick out any, but somewhere around a month ago, the Biden administration released a hold on something like $6 billion of funds that were supposed to go to Iran for for food and other types of, of things for the people of Iran. And right-wing Twitter were just like, oh, all of that money was used to plan this attack. As though an attack of this scale could be pulled off in the span of 30 days and that the Biden administration had anything at all to do with causing this uh, terrorist act to, to happen. And whatever happens in the future, six months or 24 months from now, with that money, who's who's to say? I I don't have any opinions about that, but the idea that anything like this could have happened because the Biden administration released funds to Iran is is just so so stupid. It's it's hard to even. Uh, it's challenging to break it down to the elemental level to describe why it's stupid without coming across as just being a completely condescending, but. You, you would think that most people would be able to figure it out, but not apparently uh, certain portions of right-wing Twitter. By the way, in spite of my or our possibly inappropriate humor at this time, this particular attack, this particular yeah. week made me much sadder than other times. Somehow it was more abstract other, you know, over the last 10 or 20 or 30, however many years I've been alive, whenever I would learn about conflicts there, I kept it at more of an emotional arm's length. And this time I got really sad. Let me try to make a second segue, maybe classic segue here. 
Nina, does that have anything to do with the fact that Hamas's terrorist actions gave rise to celebrations in the United States, possibly within your own city as they are on on this particular day happening in my city? Is that is that a possible reason that you feel some upset or anxiety or sadness? Actually, I don't think so. I just think the scale of it, the grotesqueness of the media, the reaction of the rest of the world, which was to split like crazy, you know, to declare allegiances to demand that other people declare allegiances. It felt particularly hopeless. And then also I, uh, I have online, whatever video contact with groups, some of whose members are in Israel and that made it more immediate. It's just like, we're talking about our thing and, that was in my face a bit. People often complain that Americans have more sympathy for Israeli victims of atrocities than they do for Palestinian victims of atrocities or the world is like full of atrocities. It's full of atrocities and wars and horrible, horrible violence and cruelty. So Americans are criticized. Why do you care so much about Israel? And one reason is that it's a lot of Americans that have relatives in Israel and there is a cultural, there's a cultural closeness I mean, is some people think of Israel as just an outpost of the United States, you know, military outpost. Um, but there's a lot of reasons that Americans are more interested in Israel than other fraught parts of the world. Well, I, I would say that there's a, at least a few other reasons, though, too, Nina. Um, Americans largely Christian. It's not all. It's not all Christian, but to some extent, the the Jews are more sympathetic to a lot of Americans than Muslims are. I would say it hasn't not, always not the, been that way. It, there's no, no there's no deep reason for it to be that way. Well, there is right now. There's historical reasons because of the way things panned out, but there's nothing inherent to the religions that would make Christians. Well, the Christianity is a, is a, is a child religion of Judaism. Yes. And Islam is only a cousin religion to, to, to Christianity. No, they're siblings. Islam and and then Islam and Christianity are both, they're both children of. Okay. They're, 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 they're sibling religions, but the, they fight like brothers. Now, there was uh, all sorts of conquest in Europe between Muslims and, and Christians. There are the Crusades. So that I think there's a very, very long history of suspicion between uh, the Christian people of Christian faith and 
people of Islamic faith. So that, that's not a surprise, but... And also people of Christian faith and people of Jewish faith, because the Jews failed to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Yeah, and killed him. And killed him, and also apparently they regularly decapitate babies and drink Christian baby blood. Oh, well, yeah, of course, everybody knows that. <laughs> the, the, there were not, historically, there were not lovely warm relations between Christians and Jews. Uh, th- there weren't, but I, I guess somewhere around, oh, I don't know, 50 years ago, there started to, to be a, a certain type of political activism of hijacking airplanes and taking hostages and occasionally killing people horrifically or occasionally taking airplanes and flying them into buildings full of people that, that seemed to have cast a, a pal on the public image of the Islamic faith at least in the West. And I don't think that the particular uh, behaviors of the Hamas fighters from this past weekend are going to do much to enhance that image. Nope. So I talked to my half-Palestinian ex-boyfriend the day after I learned about the Hamas attacks and asked him what his hot takes were. And he said that when he saw these videos circulating, when he learned about this, his very first thought was, how could the Israelis not have known this was going to happen? They have so much intelligence. Mm -hmm. They monitor everything. How could they possibly have not known? I think it's a good question. He is is an anti-Zionist, and he thinks that, it was because it was intentional and so that uh, Israel would have an excuse to okay. attack. So he thinks Israel is culpable for the deaths that Hamas caused. Mm, I mean, that's a, at least, at least partly. Yeah. For not, but, for but not maybe, preventing maybe them, mostly. for not preventing them. That's a bad take, I think. Yeah. That's a bad take. Yeah. Well, that's his take. He's an anti-Zionist. He's... I guess. Uh, but he's not... He's How can I say it? He's an anti-Zionist, but he's not a... <laughs> can you be anti-Zionist without being pro-Palestinian? <laughs> he's, um, he's aware that there's no... There's no hope and there's no solution. So he's not hoping mm. that the... Palestinians will he's not he's not attending any of these demonstrations like yeah go Palestinians you know from the river to the sea well he's he's not 22 is he no he's not 22 and he's aware that uh you know if if Israel is conquered or eliminated that things in the region are not going to be better however he carries a great deal of resentment for Israel, given that his family mm. lands yep. were uh, trashed, I guess, stolen and, and desecrated. So it's like There's... personal vendetta. Yeah, I, I would feel mad about that too. I, I can't even blame any Palestinian who has been displaced from their land or their ancestral lands, I guess, because they're 
grandparents or great-grandparents may have cultivated that land. Uh, I don't blame them for feeling sore about it. What's confusing to me, though, is considering that the entirety of human history, that it has always been uh, characterized by a clash between cultures and a a clash between civilizations and tribes and factions and races, that this is global. There's not a continent except for maybe Antarctica where this sort of clash has not happened in history. I'm wondering why in particular and why in this specific age, why is it that Israel seems to be picked out as the only country that deserves to be washed in blood for the same sort of actions that every other country has participated in in order to to define their boundaries. Right. I mean, one reason is that it's more recent and really ongoing, that it's it's yeah. fresh. You can see it right now. Uh, another reason is its relationship with America. You know, when... It's, it's almost part of America. And Americans care about America. Americans care about Israel. And also, if you just watch this movie, Exodus, from the 60s, you can see a real, you know, there was Zionism fever. Also, there was the Holocaust, which is relatively fresh. So this the Zion fever or this this love of the Jews that was happening, is this something that we need to bring on an expert of hebophilia to talk about? What, like your mom? My mom. <laughs> I, I would not. I'm making a pun. And now that you said that, that's that's really very disturbing. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. My mother married a Jewish man, but she is not a hebophile. <laughs> What's a hebophile? Uh, it is somebody who has sexual attraction to people who are minors of of more than adolescent age okay. or or in past adolescence. <laughs> what you're talking about is philosemites. Philosemites, not to yes. be confused with hebophiles. Okay, all right. <laughs> Man, this is this is about this is about the darkest episode. <laughs> We're going to lose listeners for sure. <sighs> so, back back on track for a second, Nina. These when when uh it was announced, so we have uh, groups like the Democratic Socialists of America, and all these various pro-Palestinian groups that, whose names are, are so generic that you could probably just make one up on the fly and it would still be something that's that's intact. Uh, yeah, the people, like the there's the People's Palestinian Front. And yes, and the, the, Palest- the People's... <laughs> yeah, the People's Front of Palestine. Yes. Uh, there is one that's, I think, called the, the Palestinian Youth uh, movement or something like that, where they were saying, "Oh, we we uh, we honor our martyrs," 
And they like put this up right after the attack, right? So uh, I think that it's reasonable, even if even if it's like we were talking about before, your your ex who's has uh, Palestinian uh, ancestry, totally reasonable to say, yeah, I can see why these people would be pissed off. But these current movements that are excited about and and celebrating the acts of brutality what did you call these atrocities the day after they happened i don't see how any reasonable person could say that these were not celebrations of hamas's actions in israel whether or not you want to characterize it as terrorism i suppose that's debatable i'd I, I think that's that's very specious to say that it's not terrorism, but hey. Um, but seeing these groups in the all over the world, London, Sydney, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, apparently Miami, Seattle, uh, all, you know, DC, right? Hundreds, maybe thousands of young people coming out to celebrate acts of terrorism against Jews. And let's say it's not everybody who went to those celebrations, although I'm, I'm willing to round up and say, sure, it's all of them. But uh, when you start looking at some of the media that has come out from some of these uh, gatherings, pro-Palestinian gatherings, the, the line between being opposed to Israel as a state and actually seeking the, the destruction of Jews for the very fact that they're Jews, very, very tenuous line. Not saying it's everybody, but goodness gracious, there's, there's almost no difference. Yes, I agree with you. It's really disturbing. And over the last several years, I have noticed a kind of creeping anti-Semitism on the left that I couldn't, I try very hard. I, I don't get exercised about anti-Semitism. So anti-Semitism, part of being a Jew is you have other Jews encouraging you to be paranoid for being a Jew. It actually reminds me a lot of the trans activists saying there's a trans genocide, that when people yeah. believe people hate them, they will bond more tightly. Yeah. And I am very wary of falling into that. So the fact that anti-Semitism exists in the world, it didn't exist much where I grew up, it seemed unhealthy to inflate it. It, it seemed like that yeah. was a way to make me more exploitable and compliant to the tribe. And so I'm super wary about that. And I did notice, I guess over the last decade or so, that 
attitudes towards Jews were changing that. And this is like really vague, right? Like I can't, I can't pull out specific evidence, but there was a kind of, there was almost a kind of like deference to Jews in the past, in my youth, because Jews, Jews had a victim status, right? Yeah. Because of the Holocaust. And, uh, I remember. Yeah. And they they got to pick whichever bathroom they wanted to use. (laughs) If they, if a Jew came into your changing room, you weren't even supposed to say anything. (laughs) Those changing rooms were for Gentiles only like the golf clubs. Yep. Like the golf clubs and the, and the, uh, country clubs. Yeah. So I did notice that the, the value of the Jew card was decreasing. Um, but I was not going to get into, like, I, I would be aware of accusations of anti-Semitism flying around on the left, but you know, I, I tended which, not to care. Which was sometimes used as a silencing technique. Yes, that's the whole thing. It's like, I just, I just don't want to, I don't want to participate in that. I don't want, I don't like the Anti-Defamation League. I feel like a lot of heinous rhetoric that's used to silence and cancel people came from my people. In fact, when I decided to make Seder Masochism, it was after completing Sita Sings the Blues and uh, some Hindu nationalist fundamentalist types accused my Hindu collaborators on that film of being self-hating Hindus. And I was like, yeah, I know where you got that self-hating blank language from my people came up with that and i've always hated it like i would hear people call jews who didn't send money to israel or who were like remotely critical of the israeli government they called them self-hating jews and that's just that's nonsense that's bullshit i hate that i i used to think i used to agree with you nina up till about five days ago Right. Well, now, now you think we are self-hating Jews? No, but now, <laughs> now when I see the, the, immediately the day after this terrorist attack happens, when I see Jews showing up, uh, ostensibly Jews, right? They're, they're claiming they're Jews, who knows, uh, holding signs that say Jews for Palestine. Like, fine, be a Jew in favor of the Palestinians, but don't bring it to a, a celebration of Hamas, right? Yes. I don't know. I don't even know if I would. I just would not even call those people self-hating Jews. I, I, that is like out of bounds language for me. Uh, yeah. I don't really know what their reasons are for doing that. I do think that decent people condemn atrocities no matter what, no matter who's committing yep. the atrocities and that if there's media circulating of grotesque atrocities, you condemn it. Even if you know that other atrocities have been committed, you, you condemn those atrocities too. You know, like there's nothing wrong with condemning atrocities. It's the right thing to do. There's no, like if the, if the right people commit the atrocities, then, then, it's fine. They're atrocities. Yeah. Cause you have 
liberal values. And that is what you do if you have pro-human values. Yes. So um, it is disturbing. And one explanation for this could be like, oh, people hate Jews a lot more than I thought. Yes. I don't like going there. It's possible, though. It is possible that people hate Jews a lot more than I thought. But, like, what does that, that mean? What does that mean if that's true? I, I want to expand that, Nina, because I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's worse than what you're saying. It is not only that people hate Jews more than we thought, because I agree with you, that seems to be the case. No, I'm, not, I'm not sure. But I'm just saying it's plausible. It's plausible. But what is actually as disturbing, or I would say more disturbing to me, is that the tolerance for people openly expressing hatred for Jews and excitement for the torture of Jews, the the tolerance for that is much greater than I had ever guessed. Like the, the indifference... Some people listening to this may not have remembered when 9-11 happened, but there were people all over the world who had outpourings of sympathy for the United States. It wasn't only Americans who died in that attack. It was an international array of victims that, that died in that attack. But the entire world, at least for that week, at least for 24 hours. I shouldn't say the entire world because you know what? There were people who were out celebrating in the street when the images of airplanes striking the towers and people jumping out of the buildings were broadcast around the world. There actually were people who were celebrating that. And demographically, it's the same group of people who are celebrating the atrocities that happened in Israel actually. And this this isn't all members of a particular religion. I wouldn't go that far at all, but I will say it is a, a specific regional subset of, of a people and a religion that were excited about the deaths of Jews. And the religion, see, the religion being far leftism? No, the... But that, that seems to be, there seems to be some sort of melding in the United States and in the West generally of far left ideology and a, a particular strain of Islam that seems to have been blanched of its universal uh, love of, of humanity, regardless of, of who the victim is. And, and in particular, a, a, a specific strain that, that really hates Jews. Maybe there's just disenfranchised young people who are excited by the transgression of civilization, basically. God, maybe, maybe so. Maybe they're just like, burn it all down. And so when they when they see things like this, maybe civilization is just fraying enough so that they're like, yeah, burn it all down. Like, good, they're burning they're, it all they're down. They're nihilists. Yeah, nihilists. Exactly. Exactly. 
So maybe they don't particularly hate Jews because some of them out there are Jews, obviously, because they're, well, not obviously, they're holding signs uh, that, that proclaim they are. But maybe maybe their God now is is nihilism. Maybe that's their faith now is is nothingness. All right. So I was obviously a lot younger when the World Trade Towers got bombed. I was I identified as an anarchist. I abhorred capitalism. I was disgusted with yeah. like the environmental rape of the planet in order to make useless consumer goods. I didn't so, I didn't have like I I kind of hated the government. The, the US government was a huge disappointment because it, there was all this rhetoric about freedom. But you know, we have more prisoners than any other first world country and all these injustices and all this non-freedom. And it was galling because we were told that this was freedom. And it's like, no, it's not, you hypocrites. Uh, uh, but maybe it was, Nina. M- maybe you can't enjoy your liberties as long as there are people in your community who are preying on you. And willing to take things from you or injure you, uh, maybe we need a certain amount of police presence for most people to be able to enjoy their liberties. Yes, I get that now. Yeah. I get that now. I didn't get that then, right? Like, I was particularly abused by schools, and so I just hated schools. I carry a kind of hatred of schools to this day. It's a luxury to be able to uh, hate the way that I hated when I was younger and it's a luxury for these stupid young quasi leftist quasi progressive people to hold up their queers for Palestine sign. That's such a luxury that, yeah, they're, they're extremely safe, extremely safe. And, And they feel like they're being so, so transgressive, so subversive. Yes, so edgy, so principled. So, we yep. know not what we do. I didn't know what yep. I did. And, you know, I, was, I wasn't like a complete and total idiot when I was young. Well. I was just young. <sighs> I mean, look what you did when you were young. Started a business, Nina. <laughs> An irreversible business. I was a uh, one of the first web developers. I I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the there's a number of conversations that I've had this week too. I want to I want to bring this back to to what we're talking about. Um, and I want to compare it with you too because I I have a feeling that we're sort of in a similar position that that may be a little bit different. Up until this weekend, I've never really felt this way before, but talking to my friends who have no Jewish lineage, who are not Jews, who have not opted in, who have not taken the the Jew class and become official Jews, that they were sort of wringing their hands and unwilling to say that what happened in Israel 
that was conducted by Hamas. They were unwilling to say that that was a, a terrorist act. And I realized that for my own feeling of safety around my friends, I wanted to hear them say, yes, I saw what happened and I am profoundly disturbed by it, um, not because they, they were Jews or not because they were Israelis, but because uh, at a deeply human level, what happened is, is unacceptable and a shock to the conscience. Um, I could, I, they did not say that generally. One of, one of my friends this weekend did say that. One of them messaged me a couple days later and said, I, I figured out what, what was upsetting you. I'm sorry I didn't catch on. Yeah, it's terrible. But I wanted to hear my non-Jewish friends say, yeah, what, what, what happened is horrible and it cannot be permitted. And they didn't. I don't know if you had any sort of feeling like that or that you were looking for any sort of uh, sense of security, like having your, your sense of security affirmed or validated by your friends, but I did. I think I don't have friends. I think that's the difference. Well, well, that's not true. You have a lot of friends. Yeah. Well, real life, I'm trying to think who I saw in real life. Listen. What even has happened? L- listen. Not you, not you, Nina. You can just keep you can just keep pondering. I'm just talking to our listeners for a second. Nina doesn't have enough friends. So, if you would Look up her Twitter address. I think it's Nina Paley at Twitter. Or look up any other ways of contacting her. If you'll just reach out to her and say that you'll be her friend, that would be great. (laughs) That would be great. Maybe the reason I don't have friends is I don't want friends. You ever think of that? I did, Nina. But I think that that's just your self-hating nature coming through. And the only way no, that I'm just not, we'll overcome that is by love bombing you. I did not have, I'm not aware of anybody that I'm close to or respect having this bad a take on what happened. I mean, pretty much everyone I can think of that I've talked to is like, oh my God, this is horrible. And nobody has said like, you know, fuck those Palestinians, nope. let's kill them. Nope, Nobody that. did that, but they just went like, oh my God, oh my God, this is terrible. And that's, it's like, yeah, that's the correct, yeah. it is terrible. It is. No matter who you are, it's terrible. And so I didn't have the experience of uh, having anybody, well, I suppose my, I suppose my, half Palestinian ex-boyfriend. No, he, even he, he was like, this is, this is terrible. Yeah. Look what Israel did. That's what he said. Yeah. He didn't do that. (laughs) Or maybe he did according to you. Um, He was, uh, he was appropriately horrified. Although yeah, he did. He did. In the conversation, he did keep saying like, well, remember Israel has done Mm -hmm. things just as just as terrible but you haven't seen them or people don't see them they're not aware of them and you know what he's he may be right probably is right i I, once again i think about the the difference in media 
tactics. They do not understand media warfare. Um, I do, anyway, I do. this was just this is just by phone. And remember, he is yep. an ex yep. boyfriend. Hey, it's it's at the part of the hour where we have to uh, read off a little message from our sponsors here, Mina. So this mm-hmm. this week our sponsor is the Israeli Defense Force, and <laughs> they just want to remind everybody: Jews are good, other people are okay, uh, except for Hamas, and um, you know, other otherwise everything on this particular episode is is totally our thoughts. We're not influenced by these sponsors. These are free products. Our evaluation is is completely. Uh, there's no judgment. Are swayed at all by our sponsor. So, so back to the show. Um, oh, what products did they give? Oh, did they give all they, the products they, to you? They gave us. They gave us soda streams. Uh, I forgot what I was talking about. Oh yeah, friends. Right, friends. Uh, I'm just not aware of any friends saying anything other than this was horrible. That's a good reaction. Can, can I tell you? I, it's hard for me to imagine another reaction. It's just, although, again, again, there was like, this was horrible and, or this was horrible, but. Uh, I think the ands are way better than the buts. This is horrible and, but the, this is horrible, but it really makes my skin crawl. Makes sense. Yeah. And I had that whole conversation as it were on Twitter about whether I was the only person who separates a Jew from Zionist and probably most people don't and probably uh, there's some good responses to that a lot of animosity towards Jews and then and then there's this whole thing of like well no one's going to yeah. care whether you're a Zionist or not when they come for the Jews. Yes. And then I'm like, okay, are we going to do this thing now where we get into the paranoia, which is exciting and tribally yes. bonding? Yes, are we, we will. going to do that right now? Yes, we will. Yes, we okay, will. well, N- Nina. join a temple. Join a Zionist temple, but you're going to have a problem because... Because the temple that you join either is going to welcome you as a trans person. Yep. Because I'm a, because case, I'm a trans, not as one, but because I'm one. Because you're a trans person, yes. In which case, uh, I am. I am the idol. Not, I am the idol before find, them. You might find what you might consider self-hating in these temples, or. You'll have to try to join one where they're like straight up, you know, Jews are the chosen people and you're an aberration yeah. and you're going to have to detransition and uh, take testosterone and marry a nice Jewish girl. I, 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 I could do that. <laughs> All right. Do it. Uh, You'll probably like those ones more. I I don't think you're going to like either of them. I want to see if I can get the little curly things that grow out from my sideburns. I want to get those things. Okay. 
Well, this might be what gets you to detransition. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to wear that hat. <laughs> Um, I want to tell you a little. We brought up my hebophile mother earlier. I just want to recount a conversation that I had with her last night, which mm-hmm. was uh, basically what we're talking about here, Nina. But I, I said to her, you know, we could be entering some really difficult times. You are the widow of a Jew, you're carrying around his name. It would be reasonable for you to ask your friends. To, to get their temperature on what happened in the Middle East, to what happened in Israel. And if they have no sympathy for what happened to the Israelis that were murdered, that's, a, that's good information for you to have. If, if they're totally indifferent or if, they're, if they blamed them or if they're sympathetic to the, the Hamas, it's, it's good information for you to have. And you know what she said to me, Nina? What? She said, well, I don't want to bring that up because I don't want to lose any friends. So there are, and I think that this is common. I don't think my mom is, I think you and you and I are unusual. I don't think my mom is unusual. I think my mom is a lot more typical of humans anywhere who would rather not create any sort of conflicts in their tribes by asking difficult questions or having difficult conversations. And so I I worked to try to convince her that it was worthwhile for her to just ask that question. And I I hope that she does, but it really struck me and and keep, keep in mind, she's not, she's not Jewish. She married a Jew, but she's not Jewish, uh, not religiously and not ethnically. So this, her skin in the game is, is a lot less than some people's, especially yours. Um, cause you're, cause you're a hundred percent real. Um, but for her and I, and I think for a lot of people, and I think that this is probably true in Germany in the 1920s and the 1930s, that nobody wanted to make conversation about the horrible things that they were seeing around them. And in the 1920s and 1930s Germany, that was a different situation than we see now. But if we cannot be able to say to our friends, I see that there are people in the United States who are celebrating Hamas's terrorism, and that upsets me. If you can't say that to somebody, that's a, that's a hugely upsetting thing. When 9-11 happened, you would have been able to say to anybody, I'm really upset about what happened in New York. I'm really upset to see that terrorists attacked our country and that a lot of our people died. But if you cannot say, I'm really upset that there was to, to see all of the carnage that was inflicted on innocence in Israel, and then to see that celebrated here in the United States, if you, if you can't say something that anodyne, without fear of losing friends, we're actually in a much worse situation than we think. Well, am I likelier to be assaulted or harmed or attacked for being a Jew or for saying that women don't have penises? 
I think the latter. That's been my experience thus far. People are stupid and horrible. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble because I think that uncircumcised women are not real Jews. (laughs) What if we have hysterectomies? Does that count? (laughs) I guess that's right. You are uncircumcised. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I'm starting to, to doubt your Jewish credentials, Nina. Yeah. Yeah. As we there's go ahead. Oh, just there's there's all kinds of I mean it hasn't it hasn't taken the events of last week for me to uh despair at the cowardice of people in groups and see that they will not stand up for people being attacked and scapegoated. It has not taken the events of last week for that. So I can have more anxiety about being a Jew. But really the problem I think is that I'm a human among humans and we know not what we do and humans attack other humans. Now, if I were living in Israel, it would be quite different. I would be much more, uh, much more concerned, well, I guess with my Israeli identity, if I were there and just the fact that I was there, um, I'm not there. I don't know. I don't know if a big anti-Semitic thing is going to happen in the U S but I don't, I'm just so wary. I am so wary of giving oxygen to fears of anti-Semitism. Yeah, because uh, it, it's there's unlimited fuel for it, isn't there? Yeah. If but lots of other things too. Again, like I never thought that saying women don't have penises would lead to the kind of punishment that I have received in this world. That's freaking crazy. Right. And I also, you know, we complain about certain schools of feminism that uh, justify a kind of perpetual victimhood of women. Yes. Um, I mean, there is a kind of perpetual victimhood of women. There is a kind of perpetual victimhood of Jews, but it's not. uh, It's like, do you do you want to enhance that? Like, do you want to make that bigger and bigger? Is that healthy it whatever our response it should be right-sized in this world you know like there's a lot of there's a lot of different factors and you can make yourself crazy if you latch onto one thing and get super victimy about it it's our challenge is going to be to watch what's happening and make sure that we are making correct judgments about how much risk we're actually facing. Yeah, and it's hard, especially, I mean, things have always been able to turn on a dime, but in the age of the internet, things can change really fast. Okay, well, listeners, if you've listened this far, thank you. All the other listeners that stopped listening when we made tasteless jokes, it was nice while it lasted. Thank you. 
thank you for your previous uh, patronage of heterodorks, and I'm sorry for uh, offending you. Are you really, though? I'm starting to, to feel very bad, very guilty about the jokes that I've made. Why do you feel guilty about them? I don't know. There, it feels like there's something just deep inside of my psyche, Nina, that I'm just feeling guilt and remorse all the time now. <laughs> it's your heritage. Oh, coming through. I'm, I'm coming into it finally. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. You're feeling 49% guilty, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's well, about right. I got to get going. There's a, a Woody Allen film festival tonight, so. <laughs> okay. Sorry you missed the pro-Palestinian rally in Indianapolis. I am too. I'm, I'm hoping that it was very sparsely attended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Actually, if you had gone there, you probably would have seen people that you recognize. It is pretty gross. I got it. I mean, I've been, I've been, whatever, I've been conversing with you, but yeah, it's pretty gross. It's pretty gross that people are having these rallies right now. Although you, okay, wait, wait. I thought of one reason. One more. That these rallies are legit. Okay. So when Hamas did this, that made it so clear that, um, Palestinians, or I guess Gazans, yep. are going to get massively attacked. Oh, yeah. Like, it just put a huge target on them. I mean, there's there's no way that it couldn't happen. That's right. So, so I mean, basically, Hamas incited war. They started a war. Yes. And Israel has more military power. And so lots of Palestinians are going to suffer and die. So um, I could see people going to a pro-Palestinian rally out of concern for that. I could too. I mean, that's probably not what's going on, but I'm just saying. It's, in, it's at least in part, <laughs> you know, some of the people who are showing up are there because they are sincere about the thing that you're just talking about. Some of the, Some of them are. And then when they start chanting uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And they start chanting uh, global intifada, which uh, I'm on the globe right now, Nina. So are you. And so are all of our listeners. I don't, you know, when, when some of these people, uh, these far left scholars are saying things like uh, no, nobody in Israel is a citizen. All of them are, are colonial uh, soldiers, and that's why they can kill babies when they start chanting these things like global intifada. What that means is that they want the sort of violence that happened in Israel to be visited in the United States. There's, there's not a, there is not a generous interpretation for that. Like that is the most generous interpretation. Well, what about the interpretation of they know not what they do? Okay, so maybe a slightly more interpretation is that they are too stupid to say to, to know what they're talking about. That's a possibility. But if we grant that they have some uh, autonomy or, or some agency, Nina, then what you're saying is they don't have agency. If we grant that they have agency, then, then the most generous thing that, that we can say 
is that when you show up to a rally where they're chanting about having a global intifada, they're talking about war, global war, on anybody who is a Westerner is is basically it. They're they're not they're not mincing their words when these scholars are saying this is what anti-colonialism looks like, and their whole shtick is is anti-colonialist everything Western. The they they are admitting they want violence to break out against West the West. There's there's not a more generous interpretation. They're la- they're laying it all out. I don't know if people don't have agency, but people are stupid, and people have, especially in groups, people know not what they do. Yeah, they're just there because they're many people are just going to be there because their friends are there because they're little community is there because their church is there or I don't know if it's church, but whatever they've, they've made social networks and their friends are there and they've outsourced their thinking to their friends because that's what human beings do. And when you say, Oh, well they're chanting these things, these horrific things uh, that cannot be interpreted any other way. That reminds me of when I was doing research for Seder masochism and reading the Old Testament, which is a really grotesquely violent and intolerant tome. Mm. It is not uh, compatible with what we call liberal values. And yet every church, every temple, every Abrahamic whatever well, not Abrahamic, uh, but, you know, uh, Jewish and Christian and their offshoots, they have these, these books. They're the center of their religions, and they contain words that no decent modern person could support. Right. And they will say those words out loud. They will chant them. So it's like you can look at this church and go like, well, you know, they they clearly have you know, there's no way to interpret this other than they want to exterminate uh, non-believers or something. Um, They want to exterminate idol worshipers. And that's not actually true in practice. They're people that belong to a church and they say stuff and they don't know what it means. Yeah. I I know we psyched out our listeners by sounding like we're about to close off a minute ago, but I, I do want to respond to this. I've been to church. I've it's I call it uh, an anthropological investigation. I'm not I'm not a Christian. I'm not churchy. I don't feel called by God or anything. But I've I've been in there, and they don't chant the parts of Deuteronomy that say that we ought to kill people who break the the law. They're not chanting anything about smashing babies into rocks. The things that they chant together are the same things week in, week out. They're the uh, Nicene Creed and and the uh, Lord's Prayer, and uh, it's it's really steady. And they sing hymns. You could call those a sort of a sort of chant, but those are all uh, glory to God. That's not let's punish our enemies. It's it's let's let's worship the holy. 
And the stories that are in the Bible that are, are of the ones that you're talking about, which absolutely are in there, when they are spoken about or talked about in, in church, it, they are always contextualized as, as part of having a, uh, what do they call those things? A sermon. There's always a sermon that contextualizes it. So I've, I haven't been to too many different types of churches. I, I, haven't, I haven't done a, done a cross-sectional survey. But I can say in the uh, Episcopal Church, it's uh, they're not chanting anything that that would be taken as a call to violence against anybody. Okay, that's legit. I will say that uh, my understanding of Jewish temples, <laughs> uh, synagogues, is that you read a portion of the Torah. And you don't discriminate. You read a portion of the Torah every week, whatever it is. Mm. And so all that stuff gets read. I don't know if it's chanted. I, actually, it is chanted, yeah. Um, but of course, it's different. It's it's not the same as a rally, and it's not a modern thing. But regardless, people are very social. Yep. And, and influenced in groups and influenced in groups and it is pretty horrifying though. It, I'm not really, but what I'm saying probably is I'm probably supporting your argument. It's, it's lucky that it's, we only have scarier. 15 listeners because imagine if we had <laughs> closer to 5,000. Yeah. We could get them to all march in lockstep and chant stuff with us. All right. Well, Nina, I'm going to send this to you. I guess it's going to get uploaded here pretty quickly. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening, Turfs, Trannies, Jews, Gentiles, and everybody else. We love you all in this brother-sisterhood of humanity. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Heterodorks. You can support us by visiting our page at anchor.fm slash heterodorks, or by supporting Nina Paley at patreon.com slash Nina Paley. You can also support us by writing a review on your favorite podcast site, such as Apple Podcasts. Thank you.